Welcome again to the Dementia Podcast. I'm your host, Colm Cunningham, and together with my Dementia Podcast team, it's great to have you with us. We're joined today by Professor John Swinton. He's the Chair in Divinity and Religious Studies at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland, and it's great to have him with us today. Today we're talking about what it means to be present with somebody with dementia. And that's particularly important when, as a progressive condition, it becomes more complex and challenging as communication verbally becomes more absent. It's great to have the spiritual aspect that John brings to this conversation, especially as we're not far off Easter, Passover and the Hindu New Year, to just name a few. It's been a privilege to work with John over many years, including on our publications in the Faith for Life series. And today working on a research project that, again, is looking at what it means to be present. Welcome, John. I guess where I'd like to start is, what exactly does it mean when we talk about being present with somebody with dementia, especially in the complex world of compliance-driven aged care, and even more so now that technologies, mobile phones and social media are intruding on our world? The issue of communication, I think, is important because it raises the issue of presence quite profoundly if you think about communication all of our all of the way we talk to, all of the ways that we talk to one another involves some kind of social exchange so i talk to you and i expect you to say something back to me that i can understand and then i respond and you and we, so we go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and that's just the, the kind of normal way if, if what comes back to you is unusual or is uh, kind of not at all what you thought was going to be coming back from you it, you get a kind of dissonance, you get you know, a, a discordant way of, you're not quite sure what to do, and you get anxious. And when you get anxious, you withdraw. It's a simple, I mean, or at least the simplest way to deal with anxiety is to withdraw, and same as the simplest way to deal with fear is to, to run away from it, really. And when that happens, you know, communications break down and people become isolated. Um, at least part of the issue of presence in relation to particularly people with advanced dementia relates to that kind of uh, confusion over communication. So to be present is to recognize somebody for who they are. And even in the midst of the difficulties that you're encountering, to do everything you can to make sure that you're with them and not to allow yourself to drift off or to be fearful, to be anxious, but to be with them and to try to understand that even though you can't understand the language that's maybe coming back to you, it's meaningful. And it's meaningful because people are speaking and people don't just speak for no reason. People speak for good reasons. And you may not be able to understand that, but you can recognize that and you can acknowledge that and you can work over time towards some kind of understanding which breaks down your anxiety and opens you up to the possibility of being present. But of course, the the problem with presence that we acknowledge or recognize was that actually culturally, we're getting used to being absent. Uh, and one of the things that, that came to mind is, is uh, when we, I was doing the work with you guys was just the way that social media begins to break down the idea of presence. So you're kind of used to being on your phone to people who are hundreds of miles away, even though there's people right in front of you that are, you know, you could be communicating or, or you certainly should be present to. And so you get into that strange habit of just always being absent. 
And I found some I found some interesting statistics, but it says that this will make you smile. Um, it said we check our phones every twelve minutes uh, during our waking hours. Seven percent of us saying that we never turn off our phones. Forty percent of us check our phones if within five minutes. That's amazing. They even suggest that the more you use Google, the more your IQ comes down. So, so be careful. And so yes, the social media is really insipidly beginning to change the way that we communicate and ultimately change the way that we think about one another. Now, if you transfer that absence into an aged care context where people are already used to being absent, then you have the challenge of being with people, then you've got the recipe for, for potential well, maybe not disaster, but certainly serious oversights of the way that people understand one another. John, it's interesting. We noticed even in our recording today that at the start I was saying to you, look, they advise that podcasts shouldn't be long within 20 minutes. So we're even thinking about how we use our words wisely. I'm not convinced that we should let that drive us completely, but I can only imagine how much technology is now affecting how many communicate especially with people with dementia and i imagine there's pros and cons there is, no there is one one interesting thing just before it pops out of my head because it is a strange way to communicate you're quite right but it makes you more polite because uh, he says after just uh, interrupting you because you have to learn not to interrupt one another so it may be that a consequence of of the virus and the consequence of, of use of zoom and podcast means that we become more polite over time <laughs> <laughs> Amongst the difficulties, we've become nice people. So you're, you're not sounding that social media makes us a lost cause. It seems like you're telling us that we actually need to be much more aware of what we're doing and the consequences of it. I think that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. So it's, it's to do with um, how recognising that there's a problem with social media, recognising there's a problem with uh, being absent in that sense, and making us an effort, a conscious effort, to overcome that. Because I mean, everybody loves social media. I'm not saying put it, put it behind you. Just, just, be, just be careful of the way that it shapes and forms you. Put it to one side and be intentional about being present, not just in an aged care context, but at home or wherever you are. Just you know, from time to time, bring it to the fore of your mind and say, wait a minute, my mind is somewhere else here. I need to come into this room. I need to be with you. I mean, sometimes it's healthy to withdraw because, you know, at home, if you're constantly with your family in a really intense way, you'll, you'll fall over very quickly. But that idea of just noticing that you're, you're, you're absent and bringing yourself into the present, taking time to just think through what's happening before you and you know, thinking about why it is that you do kind of drift away sometimes when you're having an encounter with that person. This becomes a good habit. You know, if we just get into the habit of doing that, then I think that things uh, will be better for us because it's more peaceful, but also we'll become better carers because we're more aware of ourselves and therefore more aware of the people around us. And of course, there's a lot of conversation when we think about dementia that talks about the person as if they are already absent, which could be a double risk here. It's a huge risk. And I think the, the beginning place, I think, for presence is just to, to watch your language, to think about the implications of the things that you say consciously or, or unconsciously. So take, for example, the, the thing people say quite a lot uh, is the person's no longer the person who they were before, right? 
And think about what that means. If that person is not the person they were before, then who are they? And why would you care for them if they suddenly become a stranger? And so the simple ways in which you talk about somebody else, talk about a situation, actually influences the way you respond to it. Because you, you don't respond to strangers in the way you, the same way as you respond to friends or people that you want to be with. So I think the beginning point for intentional presence is just to be aware that uh, the way that you talk creates the world that you see, and the world that you see determines the way that you respond to that world. Yeah. So you create, if you create people in a particular way through the language you use, that's how you'll behave towards them. And somebody with dem advanced dementia, it becomes much harder because words are being lost and a uh, per person needs much more physical care and their engagement back the way is often harder to see. And I'm just wondering what presence means for you when we're talking about advanced dementia, when it's so easy to have reason to unintentionally dismiss the person. Yeah, it is difficult. I mean, and, and I, my, my, I wouldn't in any sense say that it was an easy thing to do and they just go out and do it. But you can, you can manifest your presence through your, the way that you use your body, you know, the way that your, your bodily posture, the way that you, if you tower over somebody while you're doing something that tells you something about, well, the person experiences something about the power dynamic within your relationship. But if you get down to the same level as a person and you have eye contact while you're doing the same tasks, that manifests that you're there with them. You may not understand certain things, but you're there with them. So being aware of the way that you place your body, being aware of the way that you stand or sit, being aware of the ways in which you touch people, because caring is always about touch. And I, I, re I recognize there's issues with boundaries and issues with, with the, the dangers of touch. But one of the things that, that older people uh, really struggle with is the fact that they're very rarely touched. You know, my my mom's 96, and she lives in a row out in, in a little place outside Aberdeen called Tarvis. And uh, she just she often says to me, like, you know, the one thing I miss is that nobody touches me anymore. The way in which we communicate presence, the way in which we communicate care is often very much touchy-feely in an appropriate way. But even this touching somebody's hand, the way in which you pat them in the back while you're you know, encouraging them or whatever it is, these little gestures really show people that you're present. Uh, as opposed to talking over somebody or looking at your phone while you're supposed to be doing something, these things indicate to people that you're not actually present. And no matter you know, how far you are on, on your de dementia journey, uh, you notice these things. Because people still have feelings, experiences. They may not remember the source of it, but they'll still have the anxiety that begins with it. So imagine if you know you're being cared for somebody and they're they're on their phone to, to use an extreme example and blah 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 blah. Uh, the end of the, the person before you uh, may not be able to articulate that, may not remember that you did that, but they'll still have the anxiety because they know that that they, that you weren't with them at that moment in time, and more than that, you were you were being rude to them. Uh, and that, so in that sense, you're, you're kind of making a difficult situation even worse because they're left with these feelings of, you know, maybe even anger or certainly frustration or hurt and no way to know where it came from and no way to articulate it. So you've got to really be careful the way that you uh, are with people. And obviously, and everybody knows this, is, I imagine, but that's why it's so important to leave people positively. So when you've had an encounter with somebody, 
you always get to leave people with something positive because they'll be left with that feeling. If it's a positive feeling, that's good because that's, nobody's going to complain about that. But if it's a negative feeling, then the whole day they're going to have to live with that that feeling, not knowing where it comes from, not knowing what it is, but it have, there's something else. And then if that in turn manifests itself, for example, in, in disturbed behavior, then you've got a really horrible, vicious cycle that, that somebody has quite not, quite not, not deliberately been involved with, but actually has participated in just because they haven't noticed certain things at particular moments in time or haven't been there in ways that the person can really grasp in that sense. John, when I think about being present and caring for someone with dementia and the challenges that come with that, I also think about the wonderful work that challenges me, the memory bridge work. And etched in my brain is, of course, that early work of Naomi Phil's, working on connecting and being present with Gladys through touch, eye contact, music, and being still. Are there any stories you can share with us about seeing someone with dementia differently or viewing our approach to being present differently? Well, I, the place I see it actually interestingly is, is in the uh, services of worship. Because I went down to uh, Hammondville a few months ago because I was, I was um, Peter Archer, who you know, is, is doing some work with me just out. Uh, and I went down to, just to have a look at his services and just to see what, what he was doing. And it, that's a place where you can really begin to see exactly that, these things, where people come together as a community. You've got a huge diversity of people who I, I imagine but don't know, don't see very much of each other very often. But they come together and then they, they kind of interact, sometimes silently, sometimes not. They engage with the music. They engage with one another. They engage with the words of well-known hymns or well-known prayers. And for that moment, or these moments in, in that particular context, you can very clearly see something very similar, uh, maybe not as dramatic as, as, as that particular video you're talking about, but something similar where people find themselves in new ways. And I mean, that's the beautiful thing about, about music, as, as I know that you know that, uh, is, is the way that it can help people to to find their memories, because oftentimes, you know, uh, the the um, with dementia, it's not necessarily that you lose your memory. It's, it's you, you very often lose the connection between the, the the memory and your ability to comprehend it. And music seems to be able to bypass that and create a connection during the music. And so people will sing or they'll move or they'll do whatever they do. And of course, accompanying that. You know, when you hear music, you, you, you have experiences, you have emotions, you have feelings. There's a whole raft of things that go on in, in the midst of that. And so uh, music, uh, as does poetry, as does smell, does music, opens up that space, but only for the length of time that the music plays. And so it's, it's kind of one of the things that I suppose you, the presence teaches you is to how you can be with people in these moments and be, be kind of satisfied that, it's only going to happen at this moment. But to, write, to learn from that moment that actually there's much more to this individual than you think there is, and to take that learning back into your practice and to always have that at the back of your mind that um, there may be more things going on here that I can possibly understand. And I can, I've seen that in this context. Let's see what it looks like in other contexts. John, thanks so much again for joining us today on what will be one of many conversations, I am sure. Clearly what it means to be present in such an important area 
of dementia is something we have to be considering. And I'm so pleased to have this podcast just before the Easter break, as I think your words will really help families and friends and carers over this coming period. Thank you again to our podcast listeners. And as always, we have uh, attached a number of useful help sheets that you can download that may be helpful to you. Thank you to our Dementia Podcast and research teams for their continued support in the development of these podcasts and our sponsor today, the Hammond Care Foundation that you'll find at hammond.com.au. Thanks again for listening and I'll look forward to our next conversation. Bye for now.